Praise God. Amen. Well, uh, we know that Thanksgiving is this week, and our prayers that you have a blessed time. How many have family coming from a distance? Three people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wish we could say that too, but <laughs> we just pray you're a blessing as you get together in a enriching time and, and with family and, and friends. Uh, also, one quick announcement before I begin. Uh, some of you may notice Mr. Scott, uh, somewhere around here, he's doing video, doing some updating. So if you, if you want to be a, a social media superstar, you can jump in on that. <clears throat> if you don't want to, just tell him. And uh, he's doing some updating. We're going to be doing some things with the church outside and the playground area on, on Tuesday. And, and so we're thankful for that. Let's take a moment and pray. Lord, I humble myself before you, and I do recognize that in and of myself, I have nothing good to say, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak through me and give to each person that is here today, those are listening online and uh, later, and <clears throat> Lord, that, that, that they would receive from you, that they would be a rhema, an alive word that will burn within their hearts, Father, that will carry them and strengthen them and increase them in their passion and love for you. I pray this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. amen. I just want to read some verses here, and I'm jump in, and we're just starting a, just a brief series on being a faithful follower of Jesus, and I subtitle this, Earnestly Seeking, but uh, just uh, bear with me here as I read some verses in Hebrews chapter 2, because we'll be talking about these. The Bible says, for it is written, and so we don't know who wrote Hebrews. Some believe it was Paul or uh, uh, others. But regardless, the writer of Hebrews, to me, it seems like it's Paul, but for it was fitting for God, that is, an act worthy of his divine nature, that he, for whose sake are all things, and through him are all things, in bringing, in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, should make the author and founder of their salvation perfect through suffering, bringing to maturity the human experience necessary for Jesus to be perfectly equipped for his office as high priest. Both Jesus who sanctifies and those who are sanctified, that is, spiritually transformed, made holy, set apart for God's purpose, are all from one Father. And for this reason, he is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters, saying, I will declare the Father's name to my brethren, believers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, he says, my trust and confident hope will be placed in him. And again, here am I. I and the children whom God has given me. Therefore, since these, his children, share in flesh and blood the physical nature of mankind, he himself, in a similar manner, also shared in the same physical nature, but without sin, so that through experiencing death, he might make powerless, ineffective, him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and that he might free all those who through the haunting fear of death were held in slavery through their lives. Somebody say amen. <clears throat> There's a lot there. We're going to try to unpack some of that here today, Lord willing. You know, <clears throat> as we talk about being a faithful follower of Jesus Christ and, and, being, and, and earnestly seeking him, I thought, what a, a pertinent time in history for such a time where we live where it seems like everything is unraveling. Isn't that right? I mean... Just turn on the news and it's depressing. 
I mean, we got war in the Middle East, and everything seems, once again, it's on a hair trigger, and, and we got riots in our country, and it's just, you look back, just came through a pandemic, that was exhausting, and don't ever want to go through that, amen, uh, and just so, so many things just seem like they're hitting us and hitting us, and, and I thought, you know, what, what should the church do? What should believers do in this time? How many know the answer is not Fox News? I just had to throw that out there, <laughs> or CNN, right? Uh, but, uh, but, but the answer is in looking unto Jesus. In these difficult times, that's our center, focusing on the Lord, looking unto him. In a season uh, that it seems like uh, everything is unraveling, this is a season where we make a decision. You make a decision. What do you mean, Pastor Mike? You make a decision, you're going to be all in or not. Are you going to follow the Lord or not? <laughs> This whole thing about being lukewarm, come on somebody, Revelation 3, is really out. You, you can't, it's, it's forcing people to be in or out, all right? And, and, and the Bible, Jesus was speaking in Revelation, the church of Laodicea, and he said, you know, you, you're neither hot nor either cold. How many know that something in, in when, it's, when it's really hot outside, cold is really quenching? Right, but when it's you know hot, you know when it's cold outside, something warm, a nice good cup of coffee, amen. Somebody, something, something warm. But he goes on to say in Revelation three to the church, he said, "You're you're not cold. In other words, you're not invigorating or refreshing." And then he goes on to say, he says, "You're not hot. You're not healing or therapeutic." Interesting. And he says, um, "I would that you'd be either, because and this is actually what it means in the Greek. You are lukewarm spiritually." This is not a season for us to be lukewarm spiritually. This is a season where we are on, uh, we're hot or cold for God. We're all in, is what he's trying to say. And he says that because you're lukewarm, he talks about vomiting, spewing us out. We don't want to be that. Amen? That's not what we're called to. But I noticed some things about when we earnestly seek Jesus and we, we pursue as a faithful follower of Jesus that, you know, God is a rewarder of those who seek him. Now, you know, I, I grew up in the Word of Faith movement, and I thank God for the Word of Faith because it really awakened to the importance of the Word of God. Getting the Word in your spirit, man or woman, right? And how, no, just kind of not listening on a Sunday, but Monday, Tuesday, through Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, you're feeding on the Word of God. Can I get an Amen. <laughs> but but that it really helped me to know that God is a rewarder of those who seek him. So so God is not skimpy with his rewards for his people. Now, how many know we seek his face, not his hand? Right? So the purpose isn't kind of, hello, my name is, you know, Jimmy, gimme, 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 Lord. No, 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 no. We serve the Lord because he's worthy. He's God. Amen. He's the king of the universe, he's the creator. And he has the power on death to take our soul to heaven or hell by how we live right here on earth. Uh, that right alone there should wake us up. Amen? And so in Revelation, though, and I thought, it's like he, he addresses, and people I've known pastors preach a whole year on, on the seven churches, and how many of the word is rich? <laughs> it really is. And, and, and he talks about these seven churches, and he talks about a positive thing, and then he says this, and he says, there's something I have against you. But I think it's the Church of Philadelphia that he doesn't, you know, he just praises them. But he has something against them. And, and really, their churches are, uh, they're, they're churches, but he talks about the angel. And actually, it's got a reference to, it's like a pastor. 
in the church. Now, harvest has an angel over it. Did you know that? When you show up, the angel of the Lord is over harvest. There's an angel. to this. And then every other church in this community that's preaching the gospel and the truth has an angel has an angel, but in there, there are believers that are, should be and viewed as called, called, sent to that place, not just kind of show up, you know, bounce around from church, can I get an amen? Yeah, but you're sent. I believe that, that members here at Harvest, they're sent to this church, that, that God commissions them. Oh, that's a high calling. They're just being like, oh, man, we'll see, we'll see what that's like there. Check that. No, God sends people to churches. What that means? That means there's a mandate over your life. There's a calling over your life. Are you listening? Amen? And so I don't just think it's a happy-go-lucky, oh, they're just a member. No, they're sent here so they have a gift, and God needs them here for a reason. He needs you here. I'm just throwing that out there. But every church in the church uh, that he speaks about in Revelation, he gives them a promise at the end. And so I was just reading this, and I'm like, let me write down the promise. In Revelation 2.3 speaks about, this is actually just free. This is the intro beginning. I haven't even started yet. He speaks about the seven churches and God rewards for being a faithful follower. And Jesus says to one church, to him that overcomes. Somebody shout overcome. Okay, this is the season we need to overcome. Amen. We will eat from the tree of eternal life. That means you. If you overcome, you will eat of the tree of life. That means you'll live forever. Ever. All right? He said, in also another church, he says, you shall not be hurt from the second death. There's a judgment, there's hell, but then the second death. Outer darkness. You will not be hurt by that if you overcome. Amen? And then he goes on to say this, you will eat of the manna that is hid, and then that is the manna from heaven that is something that is life-giving. And then he says something very interesting, you'll be given a white stone and receive a new name. A few, few days ago, I woke up once again, 2.30 in the morning. I'm like, and, and, and as I, I was thinking about this, I had a dream. I was telling my wife, I saw a red stone coming out, and it was like a, like a jasper. And then I saw a white stone, and it just came from a wall. And then I woke up. That morning, my reading was Revelation chapter 2 and 3. And I read this, and I'm like, what is this? And it, talk, it just talks about, I won't get into all of that, but the power in the symbolism of a white stone and purity and God judging in situations and being healing. And it was a blessing to me, but you will receive that. And he says this, I will give them, watch this, the power over nations to rule. I almost feel like, Kathleen, can I pick on you right now? <laughs> can, can, can you come step up over here, dear Kathleen? She's like a mom to me. Let's give a hand for Kathleen. We just love her. She's all nervous. What is he going to do? I'm not going to embarrass you. But Kathleen is going to rule over nations. She receives that. But I'm just thinking, showing up somewhere in heaven, and you go to another planet somewhere, and Kathleen is ruling. Like the president of a nation. This is what he's saying. If you overcome now, you will rule. And so Kathleen, little Kathleen here, is going to rule. Amen. Thank you, honey. Uh, I'm doing that as an illustration for all of us, because that's what the scripture is saying. If you overcome now, why? Because the enemy wants to beat us up, get us distracted over stupid stuff, stupid stuff, that really, in the light of eternity and salvation issues, means nothing. He wants to get us distracted from these things. And so we don't know that, hey, 
God is a rewarder for those who overcome. Why? Satan does not want you to overcome. He, do, he does not want us to overcome, but we're going to overcome in the name of Jesus. And then he says this, you're going to rule, and he says, and you're going to sit with me, Jesus says. Amen. I think that's pretty cool to be able to lean over. Uh, excuse me, Jesus. Can you pass me the mashed potatoes? Amen. And, and, and watch this. And there's more too. And he says, grant them to sit. And Jesus says, in God's throne. How many know that's worth it? That's worth it. To overcome now in this difficulty, in this season, for such a time that you were born, this is the season to overcome. Somebody say amen. Amen. That was the introduction. Amen. My text, Hebrews eleven six, But without faith, someone shall faith. Actually, that word in the Greek is uh, pistos, uh, pistos, and it means to be persuaded. It actually is a gift from God. All right? It's a gift from God. It's not necessarily just human belief or confidence, but, but it is involved with that. But actually, faith is a gift from God. And so the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to walk, to please God. And whoever comes near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that he is a rewarder. Someone shall rewarder. Of those, watch this, who earnestly and diligently seek him. That's the qualification right there. So he's a rewarder of those who earnestly and diligently seek him. Can I get an Amen. And I looked at that word rewards. Actually, it means one who pays wages, paying what is due. You ever thought, you know what? I deserve this, and I have deserved, and I've been mistreated, whatever. God keeps good records. He keeps good. You know, in the Old Testament, Nehemiah was building the wall. It was recorded, come on, somebody, of the families. They said it was time to build, time to help. And the families that lagged and sat around, did nothing, it was recorded. They were lazy. Amen? But the families that leaned in and helped with the wall and built, in that time they recorded so-and-so's lineage. And you know what? You follow the lineage of them. Some of them became priests. Some were involved in leadership in the kingdom of God. Amen? God keeps good records. Amen? He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek them. Other translations say it like this. God rewards those who sincerely seek him earnestly. He becomes a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him out. And one thing again about faith, the Lord continually births faith in yielded believers. I want you to get that. And so, so what does that mean? So they can know what he prefers. Uh, in other words, the persuasion of his will, it could be said like that. And once again, faith is always a gift and it is received from God and it's not generated by us. Some of the things that, you know, some of the error, if I could say that in the Word of Faith teaching was if you could just run around, just start claiming it, naming it. Come on, somebody. And I want that, you know, Bugatti. And I claim that Bugatti. I mean, why would you even want to drive one of those things off the lot? How much money you would lose in that moment, you know? <laughs> if not hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands of dollars. Anyhow, but, but you know, it's, faith is, is, is a gift from God, and it's not something. That's why Romans 12, 3 talks about each of us has been given a measure. Somebody shout a measure. It's a, like metron, meter, it, it actually what it means in the Greek. And, and, and the question is this, what are you doing with your measure? What are you doing with your measure? 
You say, well, I don't know what my measure is. Well, that's why we try to help you in equipping church here, discover your gifts, what your calling is. And it is amazing when you see people thrive in their gift. <clears throat> you know, like, all right, I'm going to pick on somebody else today. Larry. How many know Larry, our security guy? Larry is in his element. I mean, this is the guy's gift. I want that guy is anointed for what? He stands there. He's observant. He's checking everything. He is watching over the sheep. Amen? He's graced for that. He's graced for that. That's his grace and gift. And what a, what a tremendous blessing that is to the kingdom of God. And so, so what are you doing with your measure? Uh, let me just give an illustration here about the importance of us listening carefully. A little comical, you know. How many know when you get a lot of people going to be driving for Thanksgiving and heading to see family? And uh, so if you're driving down the interstate, zipping right along, doing 70 miles an hour, not 85, um, <clears throat> as, you, <laughs> as you approach a construction zone, you notice the speed limit that says, you know, 45 miles an hour. So your wife, God bless her, who's sitting next to you, says, honey, you need to slow down. And uh, you ignore her a few seconds later. She reminds you you're going faster than you should be. This is a construction zone, and there was a sign there that said you're going to be fined 300 bucks or more in this construction. How many know what I'm talking about? And so, you, you know, you kind of grit your teeth. You bark out, hey, who's driving this car? You continue to barrel through. <laughs> Just then you look in your rearview mirror, you see a state trooper with his flashing lights. Pull off the side of the road. The policeman asks for your license and, you know, your registration, and, and he asks you, do you know that you were doing 70 in a construction zone? And you politely say, yes, officer, I did. I was wrong. I'm sorry. It'll never happen again. So since he attends Harvest, and he's a godly police officer, and he has mercy on you, he lets you go. <laughs> With a warning. With a warning. And so you continue to drive down the interstate, only this time when you hit another construction zone, you slow down to the posted speed. Now, here's the question. How is it that you listen to the state trooper when he tells you to go 45, but you won't listen to your wife when she tells you to go 45? Could it be that he has greater authority who can deliver a more severe consequence, and so you listen carefully to what he tells you? What am I trying to say? Friends, so it is with Jesus Christ. In these words here in Hebrews, we need to listen carefully. As great as the Old Testament prophets were when they said, thus saith the Lord, and that message as great as the angels that delivered the Old Testament law to, to Moses, there was someone who is even greater authority than all of that, and his name is Jesus. Jesus has supreme authority. The Bible says in the New Testament, Jesus said, a greater than Solomon is here, and we thank God that he is here with us. So the writer of Hebrews tells us that we need to pay close attention to Jesus' words. And notice Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. For this reason, that is, because of God's final revelation in his son Jesus, and because of Jesus' superiority to the angels, we must pay closer attention than ever to the things that we have heard. And then it goes on, watch this, it says, so that we do not in any way drift away from the truth. Drift away from the truth. Drift away from the truth. I thought, well, you know, we are eternally secure. Well, if you're a once saved, always saved, and you believe that, you, you know, this doesn't matter to you. But this speaks to me that I can drift away from the truth. 
So if I can, <laughs> any, anyone can. <laughs> I'm not, I can drift from the truth. So pay careful attention. Actually, in the Greek, it actually means to float alongside. And I thought, to float alongside? Sometimes in a lazy river at a hotel that's, you know, that's kind of fun. Floating alongside if kids are not jumping all over you and drowning you. Uh, but, but it actually means drifting past a destination. And it actually means this, because it's being pushed along by the current. So the, watch this. So we, we, we drift away from the truth because we allow the current of society to push us along and not God's words and his truth and his word. Am I speaking to anybody? It actually means this, spiritually adrift. And what happens, we, we sin by slipping away from God's anchor of truth when we allow society and the world, the current to drive us that we float away. And it's actually, I used this illustration before because I, heard, I thought it was really good. Uh, many of you own boats that are on a lake tied to your uh, dock. And if you just cut the rope where your pontoon or boat is and you go out there an hour later, that boat, if it's not really windy, could be close to your dock, but it'll be away from it. In, in, so come back the next day. It could be in the neighbor's. Or you come back a few days later, depending upon the wind and which way it's blowing, it could be well across the lake, right? So in other words, this drifting away, watch this, it's subtle. It's not immediate. It's not black and white like, you know what? For some people, it's just a, it's just a slowly drifting away. Oh, hi, there they are. Oh, they're a little bit farther away just a little bit farther away, and then it's a subtleness how the enemy works, and we, we get cut off from the word of God, and we drift, and we drift away, and we slip by. How do we drift away? Hebrews 12, 15 says, see to it, watch this, and I speak this to my own self, you know, see to it that no one falls short of God's grace, that no root of bitterness or resentment springs up and causes trouble, and many be defiled. Ouch. Troubled, actually, that word means, to annoy. It means to be vexed. It actually means uh, to crowd in. It's like the illustration of a poisonous plant. That word in the Greek, bitterness, is, is pikria. It actually means harshness and embittered, resentful spirit. And, and what is that trying to say? Satan watches in his demons. He uses resentment. He uses bitterness to shipwreck us in our faith. It isn't like a demon shows up in your room and goes, you, you know, you need to listen to me and you're talking with some evil spirit. No, no, no. He uses things in life that happen that shipwreck us, that we get hurt by. Just say, I'm included in that. I'm included in that. I include my, my wife. We're included in that. And so we have to be careful and be forgiving. Can I get an amen? Bitterness, shipwreck, it causes many to be defiled, to stain. Actually, that word in the Greek, defiled, means to stain or dye the soul spiritually, like someone throwing a stain on it or a dye on your soul. And it has a connotation of spiritually and you're morally defiled. You know, one thing I know about weeds, weeds can grow anywhere. We poured the, uh, the 700 feet of uh, walkway. The city made us do that when we built the building. I'm like, we have to put 700 feet out. So we poured it. And between the sidewalk and the curb, there's weeds growing in that. That's solid cement. There is, I have never watered out there. I have never nurtured any of that. And those dang weeds grow <clears throat> in pouring, coming out a little crack. And then you try to go, I'll pull them out. Oh, my goodness. They're so hard. That's the picture that we have to be careful, that we don't fall short of God's 
grace. Actually, it means to turn back. It actually means it has the picture of coming late to a party, showing up late. That's what it means when we fall short. So, so once again, as we continue here, Hebrews chapter one, we are told that Jesus is uh, uh, who Jesus is. The writer tells us that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. And I'm just gonna give you some very elementary, basic things about faith right now, getting to what I'd like to get to here in the next few moments. Hebrews chapter two, we learn that God became man. Jesus Christ left heaven, came to earth, born of the Virgin Mary. We call that the incarnation. God humbled himself, became a human being. Jesus grew as a man, and he was put to death on the cross, suffering for you and me willingly. He willingly went to the cross on behalf of us. Somebody say amen to that. <clears throat> so the, the writer of Hebrews describes it in these words, Hebrews 2.9. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels. So in other words, Jesus had to leave a state that was of high honor to come to earth and be like a king coming down to walk among ants. Interesting. He, he made himself a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory, honor, because he suffered death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. That's an interesting point right there. Jesus died for you. That's a fact. Do you want, let me just say it this way. Jesus died for every single person here, not just here, in the world. This, every person born, Jesus died for you. And you see, why does it even matter? While he was suffering on the cross, your sins were placed on him. So Jesus died bearing the sins of the world. The writer of Hebrews says, and once again, Hebrews 2.9, he tasted death for everyone. Somebody shout everyone. everyone. Not just the chosen elect few. I don't believe that. I believe that he desires that all come to salvation. That all come. That all come. Now, just listen to this. Jesus sacrifices himself for humanity. He did not sacrifice humanity for himself. Not just for a few. He sacrificed himself for all. Amen? So Jesus died for your sins. He paid the penalty of God's wrath for all of our wrongdoings, and he offers you a free gift of eternal life. How many know that that's good news? That really is good news. And here's the requirement or the condition. And all you must do to gain interest into heaven, watch this, very simple. It's not complicated. When you die, to gain entrance into his future earthly kingdom now here on earth, so it's not just a by and by place. It's, 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 there's there's uh, freedom even now here on earth, overcoming. Is watch this, to place your trust and the death on the cross for your sins. And what does that mean? It means to repent, to believe the good news, to, to humble yourself, to confess Christ as Lord and Savior and make him Lord of your life. It's not a mental ascent. That's real big up here. It's kind of like, you know, because they make blatant statements that God loves you all and he died for you all and we lift it at that. And people grow up and they guess like, I, you know, I, I know the big man, he, he you know, he, but what is that? How does that, what, it makes no sense to say that until you qualify it that you have an action in that. It's called conversion theology. You have to confess. You have to repent. This may be new for some of you. And you have to welcome him in and say, Jesus, come into my life. I'm a sinner. I know this is ABC stuff right now, but some people miss this. 
They just miss it. And they go through all of life. Some attend church their whole life, and they don't know the Lord. They've never repented. They have not been transformed in their spirit, man or woman. They don't have the assurance of salvation. They hope. Amen. And so that's what we mean by receiving Jesus as your Savior, repenting, believing, trusting him in him alone to give you eternal life. That's why at the end of each service, I would say 99.9% of the services we have, we always give a gospel challenge. And to me, that is the most important part of the whole service. To me. I know it is to many of you, but it's the most important part. It's like, all right, he's going to pray for people now. Absolutely. Because how do people know? How do people, you can come, you can hear a message and leave, but if you have an opportunity to give your life to Christ, what's that? What are we doing? (laughs) People need Jesus. And he says he uses the foolishness of preaching to do it. So I'm a fool. I'm the biggest fool, actually. (laughs) Really, I look at that. And so you can have an opportunity at the end of each service in this church, and we really encourage those who do speak here on Sunday morning uh, to do that, to present the gospel. And you can leave uh, from, you can come from spiritual death to spiritual life. You can become born again is what the Bible says. But here's the point, the point I'm trying to get to is God does not want you to stop there. And there are certain churches, God bless you, I mean, every week you go to, you hear the same gospel message in a different way, and it's powerful. It's truth. But how many know you need to grow up spiritually? You need to hear truths in the word of God. You need to hear things at times that are deep, that are challenging, that are like, I don't understand this a lot. I don't understand. But we need to be challenged. So once you become a child of God, he wants you to grow in your relationship with him. He wants you to become a devoted disciple. And in your relationship, a faithful follower of Jesus. Can I get an amen? The Bible says in John 15, 4 and 5, we produce good fruit by abiding in the vine. Okay, when we abide in the vine, fruit's gonna happen. Fruit's gonna happen. So here's the thing, and I'm not trying to be mean or ugly about this, but people who profess they know Christ or they're a Christian, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, but there's no spiritual growth, no spiritual hunger, no desire to, to, to worship with other believers in the house of God. No Bible reading. No spiritual nothing. There's nothing different, different about their life than in the world. Nothing. Nothing is different. And I would say that that person needs to question their salvation. Just throwing that out there. There's nothing. It, you know, it's like sal- the salvation prayer, let me say it this way, is not some kind of a good luck rabbit's foot charm. You know, I hope I make it in. I got that in my back pocket or on my belt loop. No, 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 no. It's everything. It's life. It's eternal life. Now, you might be like a spiritual turtle. How many know like turtles, they hide in their shell, they come out, they move a little bit, and they're moving forward in your spiritual growth. But at least you're moving forward. At least you're, you're, you're gaining some ground. There's, there's a, a small element. There's spiritual hunger there. There's some kind of a hunger. There's a moving forward. What is that? That is a sign of the working of the Holy Spirit in your life. When you do wrong, there's a sense of guilt that you felt, you know what? I've disobeyed the Lord in this area. I need to make it right. Amen? That's what repentance is for. Amen? So, but if there's none of that, you've got a question. Wow, I, uh, have I really surrendered my life to Christ? I understand this is ABC stuff for many of you, but some people, they miss this. 
They just miss this, and it's so important. How many know that the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 talks about that, that, that when you're born again, that fruit is the result of, of like the, a healthy plant growing? Um, let me just say this. A healthy plant, whatever seed it is, is designed to produce whatever that seed is. You've heard me talk about my apple trees that I planted and spent all this time years ago and, and uh, uh, went through trial and error. But I got this uh, arrow garden my kids got me. Uh, I don't know what it was for, birthday or something. And they have these little, there's a light, is an LED light on. They have these little pods with seeds. So you fill it with water. And then you put a little bit of food, a couple capsules of food, and the seed begins to grow because the LED light, I guess, is better than regular light. And, and so now I have a bunch of cherry plants, cherry tomatoes. <laughs> and my wife's like, what are we going to do with all these? And so I have them in pots, and, and they're like this big now. And they're budding. And, 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 but when I'm like, how? I've tried before with seed and had no, no luck with it. I mean, some of you are great gardeners, but... I've tried before, and I usually buy the small plants and put them outside, but I wanted to grow something through the winter. And so anyhow, my point is this is that with that, it turns the light on at the right time. Come on, somebody. Gives it eight hours, shuts it off, turns the water on inside, and it waters in the roots. And, and they're so rich and healthy. Why? Because they have all the things they need at the right time. At the right time. It knows when to shut the light off the right time because it needs to be a time of gardening. And I just thought about that. I just thought about spiritual growth. A genuine believer will have a desire to grow spiritually in the right environment and having the right at least seed. So you can, I could have all of that. I could have, the, I could have the water. I could have the sun. I could have the, the, the healthy food that I add into it, the plant, you know, food. With no seed, though, it's not gonna, nothing's going to happen. That's what it means to be born again. You receive the seed of life, seed of God. How many see that? Say amen. And so, but here's the thing. Now, getting back to our point, that was the challenge of this church in, in the book of Hebrews. And this letter he writes, and uh, he said, this congregation, they were suffering persecution, and it was severe. And they were being persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ. They were tempted to revert back to their old religion, the religion of Judaism, a religion that wasn't f facing persecution. So in other words, it would be easy to go to a place that it's happy and there's no persecution, but to go to church where the believers were in Christ, you got persecuted. How many see that? <clears throat> and so they were swimming, if I could say it this way, upstream against the current they weren't allowing the current to take them along the way. And it, how many know at times that's painful? That's fearful. It's persecution. Persecution. And so what was happening in this moment, they were seriously considering abandoning their faith, going back to their former Jewish religion. Why? Because things got really difficult. Things got really difficult. And I'm going to end here in a moment. But when I think about it, all of us are going through difficult things, some more than others. <clears throat> in some, maybe you're in a great season right now, but boy, when you look around and you see what's happening in our country, what's happening globally, I mean, it's very easy to get discouraged. It's very easy to get sidetracked, and you feel like, you know what, I just want cut ties, and I want to just hide. It's what the enemy wants to do. Just, I, just, I want to just revert like a little hermit or whatever and just... I want, I just, I can't, I can't, it's like Popeye. That's all I can stand, and I can't stand it no more, <laughs> amen? 
<clears throat> and then he would, you know, anyhow, uh, I was like Popeye. <clears throat> but, you know, I recently I watched a documentary movie on um, uh, Golda Meir, and uh, she was alive from 1898 to 1978. She passed away. She was Israel's prime minister. And she was one of the 24 signers of the Israel's uh, Declaration of Independence. This woman was a fighter. She fought. Even some of her generals were nervous when war broke out during Yom Kippur in 1973. Another attack with the Egyptians and the Syrians' assault against Israel. And there was tanks that came out, and they had all, they had, you know, just become a nation in 1948, and here we are at another war, surrounded, and, 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 and she would go to where the planes would come in of all the dead Israeli soldiers, and she would go and write down in a book how many they were, and she would see and visit each and every dead soldier. And decisions that she was making was causing them to go to the front lines, and many of them died. How many know that's heavy? That's heavy. And I, as I was listening to this, I thought, you know what? In times of difficulty, we have to follow Jesus. But you know, it's also helpful, too, to see other people, how they led and how they lived through very difficult times. And I thought about it, you know, and I said, I have no problems at all. This woman, when attacks, they, had, they didn't have all cell phones and all that. They just had radios, and a lot of them were on tape that they would get live action. And the Israeli soldiers were screaming because they were being overrun by the Egyptians. She gripped her hand so much she caught and bled in her hands just for the tension. And, uh, of course, back then, everybody smoked. I mean, it's like everyone smoking, smoking, smoking. I'm like, oh, you know, that doesn't kill you. <clears throat> But, but, but I just, I, would, I admired her because I looked at it and said, here's a woman that fought. She didn't quit. Come on, somebody. She persevered when all the world was, I think the pressure that's on Benjamin Netanyahu right now, the whole world hates him. I mean, not, not all, not all, but I mean, it seems like it. It seems like if you watch the media, there are those that are, you know, are there and supporting, but, but it's such an awful time. Such an awful time. And I just thought, what a woman uh, that persevered. She had a fighting strong spirit. Amen? Stand with me if you would, please. And so the writer of Hebrews, which most likely is Paul, but we don't know for certain, he writes to them to encourage them. He's not quit. Don't quit. God is a rewarder. I want you to... I don't want you to jettison or abandon your faith in Christ. I want you to push forward. I want you to persevere. I want you to endure. I want you to remain steadfast to the end. And it's like, okay, Pastor Mike, but give me a reason why. And I was reading, I thought, well, the writer gives us a reason. And I thought about how do you motivate people to continue on when everything around you seems bleak, <laughs> it seems like at times the ground has opened up. Everything you touch seems like, what is going on? It's sad. At times it's disappointing. It's scary at times. How do you motivate people to continue on? Well, the writer of Hebrews reminds his readers of this one key thing, and we'll get into this Lord willing next week. There are benefits to faithfully following Jesus. So he says, I want you to stop looking around what's going on here, but I want you to know what I have for you. What I have for you. We can overcome still here. 
on earth, and God wants us to. But God wants you to know there are rewards for you to remain steady. There are rewards that are out of this world, as I use the illustration with Kathleen, of ruling and leading. There are rewards if you continue to lean in and press in. God is not going to be cheap with you. He's not going to be skimpy. He's not going to be dueling out. He's going to richly bless you with things. And in that moment, I think you can think back of maybe 2023, 2020, times in your life, 2018, 20, just you'll look back and go, it was a moment because it's so worth it right now. Boy, it's so worth it right now that we followed the Lord in this time, that we didn't quit, that we pressed on and we followed the Lord and we overcame, that we fought the good fight, that we finished our course, that we didn't abandon it. We didn't draw back, even though at many times you wanted to, and you needed people to surround you and love on you, to hug on you, to help you. And times you felt like you were just, you just needed someone to lift you up. There was a time in the scene in the movie where she had to get up to go see the soldiers. And her secretary is there and said, you need to get up. She said, I can't get out of bed, Goldie Mayer. I can't get out of bed. So she physically picked her up and they put her on a helicopter and brought her to the front lines. And there's actual video footage in the movie of her shaking hands. And the joy on the soldiers to see their leader did not quit. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands one more time. Lord, we make a decision right now. Lord, that we will earnestly seek you. Come on, church. We will earnestly seek you. Some of you need to begin praying right now. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in your, pray in, pray in your understanding right now. Just say, Lord, I'll not quit. Lord, will not quit. Lord, will not quit. We are going to earnestly seek you, Father God. Lord, you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek, who earnestly seek you. You are a rewarder, and you are not cheap, God. You are not cheap. It's worth it. Sir, it's worth it. Young person, it's worth it. Ma'am, it's worth it. It's worth it to serve and faithfully follow the Lord. In the name of Jesus, you're here this morning and say, Pastor, I, I don't know the Lord. As you shared about the gospel and being a believer and everything you hit on there, it's like there is just no hunger in my, my life for anything of God. And I'm here. Maybe I feel, you felt like you were drug here or, or you, for whatever reason and, and you don't have that assurance of salvation. This is a great moment for you. With every head bowed. And you say, Pastor, pray for me. I want that eternal life. I want to be a follower, a faithful follower of Jesus. That's you. I want to lead you in a prayer as we pray corporately. You're not joining this church, but you are joining the family of God. But we are here for you in Harvest to help you along your journey. You say, Pastor, pray for me. Let's do that together right now. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on that cross for my sin. Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me. Thank you for saving me. I believe you're coming into my life now, forgiving me, washing me, cleansing me, giving me eternal life, saving me. Jesus, I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Friends, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, you are born again. You are saved from above. 
The Spirit of God has placed the seed of God in your life. And in the right environment, that seed will grow. That seed will grow and it will produce an amazing harvest in plant.